This is Westside Barbell with strength and conditioning legend, Louis Simmons. Westsidebarbell.com, the strongest website in the world. Welcome to the Westside Barbell Podcast. Today's topic is Westside Barbell on weightlifting. With me, as always, is Louis Simmons. Louis, I'd like to begin the podcast by asking you this question. Is your book um, written about Olympic weightlifting technique, or is it based on strength? Oh, well, Tom, as you well know, my book is based on strength. It's called Olympic Weightlifting Strength Manual. Um, I don't talk about technique. I'm not an Olympic weightlifter, but they need spatial means is what's going to bring them up to catch up with the rest of the country. Um, you know, it's funny you brought that up because when I wrote that book, remember I told you, I said, uh, this will be the biggest bust of a book I've ever wrote or be our bestseller. And what is it? Our bestseller. Our bestseller. It outsells all of our books. You see that people do seek knowledge, and, I, and I'm thankful for the weightlifting community out there to buy my book and start mm-hmm. to learn what the Soviets and Bulgarians and Chinese do, as well as Westside. Well, before we get, what about technique? Well, well, first of all, um, I want to talk about the key elements of strength. Um, you know, in the book, uh, a system of multi-year training in weightlifting by A.S. Medvedev, one of the famous Russian coaches that worked at the Dynamo Club with Verfrashansky and came up with a conjugate system. Um, he states in his book, um, it is common knowledge that the key quality of a weightlifter is strength, along with speed strength. Um, you can find this on page 84 uh, in the book I just mentioned. Now, uh, you ask about technique? Mm-hmm. Technique should be done in the very beginning. Um, you know, you, uh, everyone should run through the rule of three. That includes this country. You know, if countries are successful and we're not, why don't we do what they did? Um, they had a, it's called a rule of three. They would start, way, you know, gymnasts younger, four years old and so forth. But maybe a lot of ways would start from um, uh, seven years old to 10. And then they would start to, to train at that age, at 10 years old. Uh, that 10 years old, they should actually have mastered technique. There should not be a technique day. This is ridiculous. Technique must be learned in the beginning. If a person tries to box, you better learn to keep your hands in front of your face or you're going to have a broken nose all your life. You know, you got to learn the basic fundamentals first. Then, again, what did Dr. Medvedev say? It, uh, it is common knowledge that the key quality of a weightlifter is strength. doesn't say technique, says strength. Uh, that's why larger you have weight classes. Larger men can lift larger weights. Larger women can lift larger weights than, than smaller women. So it's just common knowledge. It's basic physics. I'm sure it's like many other sports that the higher the level of absolute strength, the the greater the equalizing effect you have. Strength seems to get people out of a lot of trouble, especially when it comes to um, if you go to some grappling events or even MMA. Once you have the basic skill down, absolute strength can be a huge equalizer or even an advantage. Well, I don't want Brock Lesnar to come kick my ass, but, you know, Brock, he won the UFC title by, you know, 90% strength and 10% fighting technique. I mean, tremendous wrestler, but he's in MMA. He's in mixed martial arts. He became a champion. His main quality was strength. When he beat Mark Hunt, what did he beat him with? Strength. He controlled him the entire fight. So strength is everything. The Chinese say without strength you have nothing. So if in your book or in your strength manual, how would a weightlifter begin? Okay, well, basically, Tom, uh, you know you know, we train by percentages and where it has come from. Um, I, one of the first books that I obtained in uh, late 1981, early 1982, was The Managing the Training of Weightlifters. Yes, I called Budge Conigan and I told him one of these books. And he told me, he says, well, Lou, do you realize these books are, t- are textbook textbooks? 
As, and I said, it's exactly what I need. I need to learn the in and outs of why I have stopped making progress in my sport, weightlifting. You know, Tom, at that point, it was funny. I knew I was slow. I realized I was slow. I didn't know how to get fast. But after a year of training, I realized something else came to me, even in that time, that I, what powerlifters had to become faster, but weightlifters need to be slower. By that meaning, they can't lift heavy weights. As the weights they can jump 10 pounds. They can do eight doubles with a weight and jump 20 pounds and can't lift it at all. They can't lift heavy weights. When the bar velocity slows down, they're dead in the water. Um, so in the management of training at weightlifting, the first thing that came to me was uh, Perlipin's charts. He talks about percentages. Now, who was Perlipin? He was the junior national coach from 1975 to 80 in the Soviet Union, the Russian coach, and then the senior from 80 to 85. Um, he had some of the strongest weightlifters that ever lived in his day. Victor Saltz is one of my. The guy, a Saltz press, is in a full squat in the front with the bar on your chest. He pressed 363 overhead in the bottom of a full front squat. That is one enormously strong human being. I mean, I would think him and Eddie Cohn, you know, I, I can only keep up a couple of people that's that kind of a freaky strong. Um, but if you look at Primus chart, I realized I had no idea how many reps, sets, how many lifts per workout. I was constantly overtraining or undertraining. If you look at his charts, in 70%, he would recommend it three to six reps. Um, with 18 lifts, that would be optimal. And then um, at 80%, two to four reps, 15 optimal, 91 to two reps. Um, and basically seven to ten. Um, so, uh, and uh, here's a common mistake I found: weightlifters give me their programs. They don't do enough lifts. <clears throat> at at seventy percent, no less than twelve lifts, and no more than twenty-four. Twenty-four would be maximal. Uh, twelve would be minimal. Anything less or over, uh, the training will dissolve itself. Um, at eighty percent, no less than ten, no more than twenty. And in ninety uh, percent, no less than four. And no more than 10. Now, Tom, you watch our people do Circa Max. We're the ones still breaking world records. We broke one a couple of months ago. I uh, took a guy from 800 in a squat that was dead in the water, 1880 total, 165, under one year. He totaled 2080, and he squatted 890, all time world record. And he follows this chart. We follow this to a T. We have a plan. Without a plan, you fail. Without periodization, you have nothing left but chaos. So you have to pay attention to what you're doing. Um, so I, I follow this, follow the charts, and and um, this is what this what started me on, on the road to my success. So um, when uh, <clears throat> the sets and reps uh, introduced some product in the chart into training, can you go over a little bit of the trial and error so people know how much that you've tried it with this program and where it is today? Well, Tom, um, our success came. Uh, I, I like to talk about the Circa Max briefly, but we have 83 cases of people squatting at least 800. 83. No gym in the world, I don't think, can say this. Uh, we've also had 24 people over 800. You know that our top five deadlift average is 890, and our top 10 is 866. So when it comes to leg and back strength, we have, we have very, very strong lifters. And I think a big thing I'd like to point out is how many of them you built from around, how many people that are... Squat over here on that squat of nothing. It's not as if you're recruiting the best of the best. A lot of these people are built from zero all the way up. Right. I started many people in my neighborhood. I think within a 20-mile radius, I have 14 people that have held world records. We've had six people in the squat, hold world records, six different people in the bench to hold world records. And uh, we've had, uh, I believe, uh, three. We hold, we've held three total records. Now, this is a private gym. Never more than 20 lifters. It's, as you well know, it's tough to get a lifter to come here. Mm -hmm. um, 
may I go on? Yep. Uh, we use a three-week pendulum wave. Um, now, where did this come from? All right. Now, uh, what I just discussed is on page 32 of the Management Training of Weightlifting. If, folks, if you go back in your book, and I'm hoping you have these books, to page 31, uh, you will look at a graph. It was based on 780 cases of highly qualified weightlifters. Um, this, again, from the Soviet Union. And they had many, many, many. Um, but if you look at the charts, the loading charts for the snatch and clean and jerk, um, the average most commonly used was 75 to 85%. Those three weights constituted 50% of their training. Those are speed strength weights. The weightlifting is a speed strength sport. It's not an absolute strength sport. It's a speed strength. You have to be strong in fast motions. Unlike powerlifting, the barbell can slow down, but in weightlifting, it can't. Um, so uh, I, I incorporated this into my training. First of all, before I'd ever heard of change bands, uh, we would use waves, 75. Uh, and then for us, we, were con we would always use the maximals. Um, and I'm going, to, I'm going to go through this show you some examples. But we would use 75% um, for 12 doubles back then, then 80, and then 80% uh, for 12 doubles, and then 85% for 10 doubles. And, uh, and that would rest in our training weight. Like a 400-pound squatter, if he did 12, 12, and 10 at those weights, um, you know, it would be doing 4,800 pounds of, of squats. For team sports, you just maintain that. We're not talking about team sports. But I know exactly how much weight. All this should be monitored. You can't go in and squat five, six times a week. It's just maintenance. You're just you're just kidding yourself. Much better to pull a sled for general conditioning, um, GPP. But I, I hear weightlifters, we squat six times a week. But why can't you squat then? You, you have terrible squats. And uh, we'll get into how to build a squat later because uh, my experience, and Tom, you've seen it here, uh, people come here, if I can break their clean record immediately, but very seldom if they catch in the bottom can they stand up. Mm -hmm. They lack squat strength, and they have weak lower backs. And we go through this all the time, so we're going to get into this. But the ways to go, 75, 80, 85%. On the fourth week, you just basically wave back. For the weightlifter, what I suggest you do, uh, because we use bands a lot, and, uh, and I'm going to get into bands, and, and when they, the weightlifters come here, they use bands all the time. The last group, when Glenn came, my, the boys worked up in the snatch, worked up to power snatches with 280, uh, you know, um, pounds, and um, with, the, with bands, you know, with um, using bands. Starting with bands, and then he went to ba without bands. But uh, the ways, you just, it's called a pendulum weight because it goes up and down. But what I recommend for a weightlifter, you would go 75, 80, 85 with bar weight. Then on the fourth week, we back to 50%, but use 25% band tension over the bar for your for whatever lift we're doing, power clean, clean, snatch, power snatch, whatever. And you would do 50, 55, 60 with the 25% band tension. It, I'll get into why. It eliminates the uh, bar deceleration. We'll talk about this why. And why do I use three-week weights? Uh, because after three weeks, if you train with 90% weights on max every day and you use the very same exercise, you will go backwards. This is scientifically proven. It's called the law of accommodation. Um, so uh, we're talking about speed day here, but also on max effort. So that's what you, you want to run these waves. You constantly monitor your volume and the bar speed. Why, why did Primum set down? Why wouldn't you do more weights? Uh, because if you did, if you went over, he said the progress would cease if you went under or over. So if you go over, form breaks down or barbell speed slows down. Two things that cannot be happen for a weightlifter. You cannot do that. And so, but you have to have high volume. I'm going to get into the amount of squats and pulls we do here at Westside for my powerlifters. And, uh, you know, I want to talk about, see, strength measure and velocity. 
And, you know, um, inter, uh, speed strength is intermediate velocity. You know, most uh, first pole is about 1.2. Don't count the second. It's up to 2.2. Um, explosive strength is, is basically, you know, 1.4, 1.5 meters per second in most things. But when the barbell is moving fast, you produce small force. So that's the whole key. I'm trying to show you how we can use uh, larger weights and develop max effort. How many speed days would a weightlifter have? I think a weightlifter could do speed days. You know, you've got the clean, you got the snatch and the clean. I prefer to do them all on the same day. Um, uh, one day has to be very high volume, and the other day low volume. Well, the one day is high volume with a moderate intensity to 75 to 85 percent. The other day would be lower volume barbell volume, but maximal 100 percent records all the time. Now, Tom. We have a stat guy here, Joe, and he came up with over 90% of the time on our two max effort days during the week, we break our records. This is all year long. So uh, no wonder this gym is so strong. This can easily be done for weightlifters, and I'm, I'm going to explain how here in a, in a moment. Um, you know, if you, um, like I said, it would look like this. If you had a 400 clean um, and you trained optimally, at 70%, you do 18 lifts at, at 280. That's 5,440 pounds of volume. Second week, 300. And um, that would be 75%. And it's 5,400 pounds. And then if you went to 15 lifts, that's 18, 18. And then 15, like the chart says, at 320 or 80%, it's 4,800. I recommend weightlifters that starting this program start 5% less than I actually recommend. I say this in my book so you can acquaint it because this is this is high volume. Um so uh, that would be optimal. Now, if you look, if you look at the maximal, if you got high, if you guys think you're high skilled, 24 lifts. If you did uh, the 75 70 percent, um, it would be 280 for 24 lifts, is 67 120 pounds, and then 300 for 24 is 7200, and 324. Um, you know, if you went all the way to 24 again, you would have um, 7680. So see, it's high volume. I see, I found out in America, talking to a lot of the coaches, they don't have enough volume. You have to have ultra high volume. I talk many times about Leonard Zazatinsky, and uh, he was Olympic champion, 60-64, world record holder, killed everything. Then he started to slip a little bit, and they couldn't understand. They got in his logbook, and they found out that his volume had gone down slightly, and the average weight that he lifted, his intensity of a one-rep max went down. They pushed it back up, and he resumed to break records. So that's how important this is. Um, you know, now, if you look at, uh, remember, I talked about using the weights of 50, 55, 60. So if we go back to 400, you use 200 pounds on the bar, 25% band tension. Um, again, 18 less, and then you use 220, and then three weeks, 240. So that, like I said, I think three weeks of bands go back to weights, back to bands, back to weights. Every third, um, every three-week wave on the fourth week, go back and switch. All right? Now, um, what I recommend you doing is, I'm, I'm going to get into this, but um, um, you you would be using, a, you could use a hang from, the, uh, you know, you could do a power clean off the ground. You can hang clean from below the knee, hang clean above the knee, hang clean at the top of the leg. You know, same for the snatch. There's just some quick variations. When it, um, just a circle back, but a, a max effort, uh, people worry a lot about form. When, when you're maxing out, a lot of people stop before they actually get a, a true max out because form breaks. What's your opinion on that? 
does not matter in spatial exercise if form breaks. Um, it has nothing to do with form or technique, timing, or coordination. That is the whole key. That's how we raise all of our volume by using uh, you know, all these spatial exercises. Now, I, hopefully all your readers are familiar with super training. Again, Medvedes came up with a list of exercises in weightlifting training. He has 100 such lifts. These can be done. These variations can be for speed training or max effort. Uh, we'll first look at the snatch. Um, what does it say? Snatch, straight legs, torso leaning forward, uh, squat and split variations. Snatch from standing erect, a standing position, starting position, squat and split variations. Power snatch from the floor. Power snatch standing on a box. Um, <clears throat> power snatch with a barbell at knees. There's all type of variations. Snatch pull with barbell at knees or from hang or off boxes. So this goes on, but 100, 100. There's 28 for the snatch, uh, for the clean. He has about the very, basically about the same amount. If you look at the cleans, um, you know, clean pull from the floor. Um, clean pull starting with barbell below knees. Clean pull starting with bar at knee level. Clean pull starting with bar above knee. Um, clean pull to knee level. Just pull up to there and stop. He did a lot of statics. Standing on a box. Uh, clean pull until legs are straight. Um, uh, clean pull. Slow first pull followed by fast second pull. Uh, third, normal upward pull, lowering the barbell slowly. You know, they did a lot of eccentric work over there. And uh, no one in this country does eccentric work. That's one of the major problems that we're under, physically underdeveloped. Clean pull with medium hand spacing. Clean pull with wide spacing. Same thing with a snatch. You can do close grip snatches. Um, clean pull to knee level followed by full clean. All right, there's numerous exercises here. You have to switch, and you if you don't, you uh, 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 what happens is called the law of accommodation. You cease to get better, and I think this is the main reason weightlifters fail. Uh, they don't have any variety in their training. You only do a few things, so you've only got a couple records to break. I mean, I actually have way more than this hundred, right, Tom? Because we use bands, we use all type of things. Pull up against pins, squat underneath pins to stand up, concentric work. So we got a million records to break. It's a whole lot more fun to go in the gym, break a record all the time. If you break five or six variations of a clean or a squat or a jerk, um, how could you not possibly uh, break your classical clean and jerk record or snatch? It happens all the time. We prove it on the spot. We had a coach come up from LSU. He was six foot five, about 250 pounds, uh, ex-quarterback, athletic guy. Said his best power claim was 340, but he hadn't broken six months. I put bands over the bar. I worked him up to 275. Took bands off the bar, worked him up. He smoked 365. A 25-pound PR, it took me less than one half hour. Um, they were amazed. We brought a guy from California. It was a coffee company. And, um, and what I told him was, he said his best full clean was 400. I said, I'll break your record. But I explained to him that many people here, after breaking a, a, a clean record, he couldn't recover from the squat. So, lo and behold, his best was 400, so he, he cleans 415. He could not stand up when they dumped the bar, and he came over and says, you must be a mind reader. And, and I said, why? And he repeated what I told him, and I said, dude, I see it over and over. It's easy to find the mistakes of weightlifters, so it ought to be easy to correct them. Can you switch too much between exercises? Uh, you can switch too much. The large ones, barbell exercises, we switch every time. Uh, we never do the same. A lot of people think you do it two, three times. I do not. My, my, we never do, Tom, back me. We never do a regular deadlift off the floor 
with just barbell weight, do we? Never. Yet we kill in the deadlift. We never do a regular squat. We squat on boxes. And, and listen to this. Uh, by using this weight periodization, I mean, for your information, I had a business meeting in Nashville, Tennessee. It was less than three weeks. I asked uh, Wesley McCormick, who broke the world record, I said, Wes, why don't we go down there and you can break the world record? His best at that time was 855. So we ran a quick circumax. We deloaded. We went to the meet, and he broke a world record. We did this in three weeks. Uh, he had three weeks to prepare. I took a, a kid that weighed 193, and he went from about 2100 to 2175 at 193 in three weeks. This program, you can break records year in, year out like you're supposed to. Um, so from that, it's very important to record your data, record your volume, record your lifts. Yes, all your max effort. Where you uh, Always keep track of your, your volume on the speed day because that's easy to keep track of. You just, you know, because it's all based on percentages. And on your max effort, have a lot of exercises. You have to break your records. Like if you're pulling a box of blow the knee and your best is 365, the whole world's got to depend on you making 370. Make Break a record by a small amount, five pounds. And uh, people have asked me before, well, why would you just break it by five pounds? If you broke your power clean record by five pounds once a month at 60 pounds in a year, you would be calling me and you'd be mailing me some money, taking me out to dinner, and instead of being stuck and perpetually stuck. Um, I got a twofold question. The one is, mm -hmm. um, what happens if you're very good at a specialty lift? So if you figure out that um, your front squat's astronomical, but your back squat is, is that something you should avoid, or should you keep that in the rotation of maximum exercises? Um, don't neglect your strongest lifts, but you got to bring up your weak ones. You know, the clean and jerk, for instance, you got two poles, a front squat, and a jerk. So even if you could clean 500 pounds because you jerk 400 pounds, you have a 400 clean and jerk. It doesn't matter. You know, if you could clean, if you could clean 500 pounds, but you couldn't stand up with 400 pounds, you're stuck at a 400 clean. So you break. Look at the area of your lift that lacks, and you have to build those areas. Um, and it, it like uh, my friend Bonacek talks about transfer of exercise. You know, he's a shot put expert, and what exercises contribute to shot put performance? My friend Sakari over in Finland says makes it simple. He says it does no good to be strong in the wrong exercise. If I wanted to come back, just say week one I go in the gym and I do a snatch grip deadlift standing on a two-inch box, when would I circle back around to that lift to see if I have any progress? Um, it depends on uh, how you are. If you're very uh, introverted, you might be able to not do that for a while. If you're very extroverted, you'd want to come back. You want to rotate extras pretty quick and come back to it. And, um, you know, you bring that snatch grip deadlift up. That's a major exercise in the Chinese weightlifters. Uh, that's a exercise in the Russian weightlifters. Uh, our friend Bill Gillespie at Liberty University showed us a tape. This is a football player. He power cleaned 475 at 220 pounds. And we asked him, well, what are you doing down there? He said, poles with bands and snatch grip deadlift. So there, you, and I believe he had a guy that's got a 460 to back that up at about the same body weight, or yeah, same body weight. So it's pretty amazing. You know, remember when I talked about volume? If you look at our, our program, we basically just do 25 squats a week. It says 24, we do 25, um, and but we pretty much train, you know, all year long except for a meet. So 50 weeks of that, that that counts to 1,250 speed squats, and for speed pulls, we do 1,000. We do 20 a week. Um, so we do, uh, so you, we've got 2,250 lifts a year, uh, 
designated for speed strength. We are powerlifters. You have to do this. It's all based off math. If you look at your car, the car shifts gears at a certain RPM. Why? It's optimal horsepower. If it's a race car, it could be 8,500. If it's your everyday car, it could be 2,500. But why doesn't it shift to different RPMs? Because there's got to be a best uh, uh, you know, motor speed uh, revolutions per minute. That's the same as velocity. So you got to keep these weights. Intermediate weights does nothing. Um, the weight, there's only two kind of weights. You want to lift one as fast as possible for speed strength, or you want to lift as very heavy as you can, which is going to be as slow as possible, makeable for absolute strength. Um, what role do the different strengths? Could you go over that for? What was that, Tom? Um, the different strengths that are required to be trained within weightlifting. Um, you one weightlifters again. It said the key element is strength. It also says it's a speed strength. You have to be in fast movements. But absolute strength is the key. You know you're not going to go cleanse your 500 pounds if you're a weak person. It's just not happening. Stre why? And again, strength is important. If not, you would not require weight uh, 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 weight um, categories. You it would you wouldn't need them. You would just, uh, a 123 could lift what a 198 does, and that's not going to happen. It's just, you know, it's just physics, and it's, it's physically impossible. What happens, we, we've got a novice who has no base. Would they spend a long time, you talk about the root of three, but what's, just say somebody comes 14 years old, they want to start weightlifting, but they have no base. How much time do you think is required building that base before they move on to maximum movements or before they go on to... Uh, what? <clears throat> well, that's kind of old to start, but first I would make sure they know how to do the lifts. You know, build the technique first, and then I would start building on the GPP. Um, they would do a lot of sled work. They do a lot of back exercises, which I'll get into later. We do a lot of single joint stuff. Uh, but they would build up this mass. They would build up the squat. They would build up their shoulders and special exercise. You know, the Chinese always do one or two weightlifting, or they call it bodybuilding exercise after every workout. I don't like that word, but you know what? I'm not going to deny what the Chinese are doing. Um, I watched a 154-pound lifter. Um, he, the bar was set on boxes. He was down into a full stats position, crawled underneath it, and stood up. 484 at 154 that is maximal strength guys that's max effort they do heavy snatch grip deadlifts um fong talks about doing snatch grip deadlifts he says don't eat if your back bends that's okay go till you can't get the bar off the ground i mean i'm not quite into that but um you but you want to max out you got to max out you got if not you'll never enlighten enlighten your central nervous system and, you know, uh, our training, I, I want to bring up some one of the greatest lifters I ever saw years ago. You might not know who he is, unfortunately. But Westside has um, a lot of stats. And our stat, stat person took uh, uh, our heavy weights, our lighter weights, actually track and field. And we used 80% spatial exercise, only 20% classical. And I'm talking box squats as the classical and band pulls as our classical because we don't do any real lifts. Um, now, years ago, there was a lifter called Jan Taltz from the Soviet Union. He was a 198 world champion, and he came over here in 1970 to Columbus, Ohio, about 10 minutes right down the street. Um, at that time, he was doing 90% spatial exercise, 10% Olympic lifts. He came over here in 1970 at the World Championships and beat our Bob Bonarski, a famous 242 lifter. And, um, and uh, um, uh, Taltz had moved up. He weighed 228 pounds at that time. That's also, I also saw Alexis do the first 500-pound clean jerk here at Columbus, Ohio. And it's a world's gym right here. Now, Mr. Lorimer still has that barbell. 
pretty pretty amazing. It's just amazing that I was actually able to see that in 1970. I don't know how many years ago. What was it 46 years ago? So there you go, guys. Right. So it's spatial squats and spatial pulls. And um, see, this is this is why Medvedev came up with all these exercises. Again, it does has no ill effect. You can do a lot, and I recommend you doing a couple um, of these exercises on Max Effort Day. You know, we're 800. Our big guys will pull 800 pounds. Your big weightlifters going to be in the fours. So it stands to me that it's easy. You could do two max efforts on one day. You could do like a low, you know, you could do um, some type of pole for the snatch or the clean, and you could do some type of heavy squat. Uh, one thing I, I, I see wrong with weightlifters is equipment. I'll get into this a little bit more. But for squatting, you need a safety squat bar. You need a man array. Um, all you got is front squat, back squat, and overhead squat, which is okay. And if you run these waves, um, it's very simple. If you can uh, overhead squat 400 pounds, you train it 75 to 85% of 400 for your sets. If you back squat 600 pounds, you train it 75, 80, and 85 of a 600-pound squat. If you overhead, uh, which was that, front squat? So if you front squat 500 pounds, um, you go for the 75, 80, 85%. You could actually, if you had, if you don't want to use bands, but you're crazy not to, I'll explain why. Um, you could do, here's three ways that you could use. You could, um, Because you're working your legs every time you do the clean, the poles. You're working your legs. But if you look at your world's greatest weightlifters, they have amazingly thick backs. It takes a tremendous back. Um, what are bands? That's accommodating resistance. Uh, for all of you who had the science of practice of strength training by Zazorsky, um, he talks about accommodating resistance. The main idea of accommodating resistance is to develop maximal tension throughout the complete range of motion rather than at the weakest point. All right? Now, this is uh, Fred Hatfield years ago. If you're familiar with Fred, a powerlifter, but he, he talked about CAT, compensatory acceleration. And, and um, it, that's fine with light weights, but if you got light weights, you're still going to have barred deceleration at the top. You have to have bands on the bar. Um, you find out not only does it make um, it does a lot of things. It it make when you do I think it's better, Tom, for Olympic lifts than I do the power lifts. Uh, Glenn Penley re agreed with me because. Uh, the squat under is one of the most important things, either to catch a snatch or to catch a deep clean. Now, uh, if you got bar, bands over that bar, as you well know, it's pulling that bar downward. So you it's you got to be quicker to get underneath the bar. It makes that a lot faster. And also, I'll get into also um, um, why you know why you got to use bands uh, uh, later on. But um, so um, I know we're going back, but um, Paul Anderson. A very 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 strong man for sure but he was a, a weightlifter but he was pretty similar in the variety of maximum effort movements he would do com very similar to what you're talking about he was basically a power lifter yeah. that won world weightlifting championships i mean he was famous in the mid 50s so absolutely and he paul anderson didn't write up much about himself a lot of wrote about him but he said if i do these heavy squats and heavy deadlifts and heavy supports how hard can weightlifting be and basically, he's correct, you know, in a simplified manner. Yeah. I'm not telling, I'm not trying to convert anyone to power. I didn't, I haven't brought up any um, exercise that a powerlifter does here, have I, Tom? Yeah. They're all Olympic. These, these are Medvedev's. So if you get mad at me, folks, go dig, dig up Medvedev's uh, grave and get mad at him, too. Um, do isometrics play any part in a, a weightlifter's training? A great part. Because one thing about isometrics, uh, like especially for the explosion or the second pole, it's so very fast that a coach has a hard time determining 
if it's, the, for, the literature's form is correct. But if you do isometrics, it's easy to take film and so forth. You can find out how their technique is at any angle you want. And, you know, everybody has talks about technique, but you have to develop a style and then perfect that style. You know, here in America, everyone's not a model athlete like they had in Bulgaria. And so if you've got longer arms and shorter torso or vice versa, you're going to start that second pole at a different position on your leg. So no one can tell me that bar's got to be exactly here on your leg uh, and tell 10 people that. It's, it's incorrect. You know, just like running, you have to technique, uh, work on a technical style. Don't try to change and make them run a different style because you're looking for injuries. When people lift heavy weights, they're under the illusion that because they're lifting it slow, they're going to, in fact, slow themselves down. But we know that is not true. Can you explain a little bit on that to educate people? Well, actually, going back to Dr. Fred Hatfield, he made a quote years ago that really caught my mind. He said, no one can lift a heavyweight slow. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about Hill's equation of muscle contraction. Um, light objects and fast velocity produce small force, like a javelin. Objects, heavy objects, where you're pushing as hard as possible, but in slow velocity, produce maximal force. Strength is not, you know, if I want to measure the reader's, the listener's strength, Tom, I would measure them isometrically. They're not measured by how much you lift. It's actually isometrically. So that's how they measure strength. You talked, um, I'm not sure if I'm going ahead of what you want to do, but you talked about equipment. Um, what sort of specialty equipment you would have if you were a weightlifter? Uh, well, here's another thing. I got weightlifters here and they get on over equipment and they love it. And well, they say, I, we don't have that. Well, I've always said, and I repeat it again, are you going to the county fair or are you trying to go to the Olympics? Why, you know, Tom, you, you, you're my uh, uh, personal, you do everything for me. You know what these things cost. Um, I have, right now, I believe, 13 United States patents. Like uh, an inverse curl, uh, I think it costs $2,500. I paid $16,000 for the first one. We've got a static dynamic developer that's going to revolutionize the world and a mechanical reverse hyper. I've got over $100,000 in it. I've never sold one. All right? So you got to buy a few things, guys. You can't come in and prepare weightlifting shoes and a set of rubber bumpers and think you're going to be a weightlifter. That's not a weightlifter. Spatial means is the key to training. That's what the Russians did. Spatial means. Um, they're the one that came up with a cap and glute. Uh, Alexis did uh, inverse curls. Alexis walked in for restoration, walked through a pool a thousand steps a day to build up his uh, abs and his legs. Um, he pulled weights out of water from beneath water out of water. It's basically like a static dynamic developer. So you have to have spatial means if you want to succeed. Uh, what are some of the... Um, if you could pick three machines from your, your gym, I know we've got lots of them, but that will be essentials for a weightlifter. What would they be? Well, when Glenn, uh, and when, when uh, Travis Mays come, he took a bell squat home with him, right? Yeah. He's got a bell squat now. He thought that was the most impressive thing. Um, basically, to me, the uh, inverse curl and then a, a bent pendulum reverse hyper. That was to be the three pieces I'd start. But, you know, uh, I find here in America that weightlifters don't jump. Uh, you must jump. If you look at the Chinese, they're constantly jumping with barbell weights. We jump. Uh, we try to get around 80 jumps a week. Um, so you have to jump. That has a great amount of um, um, success for the for the jerk. It's optimization phase. People to, who can reverse that action are your best jerk are your best jerkers. We've talked about 
uh, max effort and speed work and accessory work and some special accessory work. What happens when a weightlifter coming towards competition? We touched on the circuit maximum phase, but how would a weightlifter um, try to get a peak for a meet? I think he should do it just like us because the circuit match came from weightlifting and track and field. Um, I like I do a double delayed transformation phase. 28 days out, I get the guys to train at 50%, which is easier for our guys. Or it should be easier for anybody. Then um, 28 days out, you would t if you were an Olympic weightlifter, you take your biggest clean, your biggest snatch on that day. All right? We take our biggest squat. Everything for us is based off the squat. If we break our squat record, the bench is there and the deadlift's there. We found this out. 10 years ago and it took me a year and a half to realize this by lots of reading um so i would do that and then 14 days out the weight lifter takes 75 percent of what he made on the the top weight and and then uh, seven days out he would do very light weight lifting uh just special exercises and then go to contest he's fully recovered um he should go there and break both the snatch and the clean record we break all of our records and again, we've blown close to 140 all-time world records. This is how we do it. We're strong on meat day. I know I hear all the time, oh, but I've got to do it. I've got to do it three days. Uh, week. Tom, who's, who fills the most of my gym? The guys that want to take test their stuff too much. Take a squat. Take a heavy bench. They're the one that fails in the meat, right? Why? Because they lack confidence. That's why. I have no idea why a guy three days from a weightlifting contest would take almost as near maximal weight. It's just an ego thing. I know Nam Suleiman uh, would do stuff like this. He would power clean what his uh, competition was going to clean just to psych him out. But outside of that, I would never recommend this. You know, you don't want to fight uh, Mike Tyson three days before you beat up Cicely Tyson. Just use the common sense. Look at, um, uh, go to in um, practice science and tree training and look up um, delayed transformation. Uh, basically, best occurs 21 days out. And again, this came from weightlifting and track and field. This did not come from me. Um, I studied three years on this subject because all my lifters, including myself, uh, around 15 years ago, we were uh, lifting about 100 pounds under our potential in meats. We, we, our, our, our best to lifts were not occurring in the meat. Great, always the great squat. We had to squat down, but the bench would be there. The deadlift wouldn't. Uh, the deadlift was there. The bench wasn't. So I, I took a year and a half uh, studying, and, and I came to conclusion through uh, what um, uh, Verfashansky came up, Dr. Medvedev, and, and the Bulgarian weightlifting coach. They all come up to the same conclusion, argued about who came up with it. It was a big thing over there. But nevertheless, it works. I don't care who came up with it. I use it. So you're always strong on meat day. That's what counts. Uh, a big thing, too, that I've noticed that everyone thinks that they're the one. And due to the, the law that we know of, the law of individuality, that what works for you will not work for me because everyone is different. Like, everything you give are their guidelines. Uh, you you got to experiment for yourself. And I think that's a big thing. Everyone wants... We had someone ask here for a... Um, a refund because there is no programming in the book, even though there's over 50 pages of programming. But people don't want to do the hard work, and nobody can train you better than yourself. And I'm wondering if you could explain that a little bit, how important it is to learn how to train yourself rather than have a coach. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think the coaches are overemphasized. And I think the problem in America, people hire a coach, and this is what I understand by listening to the lifters. And so they absolutely never max out. They go in the gym, they go through a workout, they never miss a weight, and everybody thinks everything's good. I've seen this over and over. They'll lift 80, 85, 90%. Again, if they come here and I ask them to do 5% more, not a record, 5% over what they, they could do 
15 lives with, they cannot do it. They invariably fail because they don't know how to max out. Believe it or not, when you go to contests, it's who lifts the biggest weights. Um, I had Boris Shiko here not long ago. Boris is a top uh, powerlifting coach in Soviet Union or the, Russia, but he also was a weightlifter. And he told me a story, you know, through his interpreter. He told me a story they went to Bulgaria at the weightlifting team. And um, because the gentleman he had said technique's more important, I said strength is. So he broke in. He tells the story. He went to Bulgaria, and they watched their, the Bulgarians lift, and they get, oh, my God, their form was terrible, absolutely terrible. Said, we're going to kick their ass at the, at the Worlds. Said he went there, and the Russian opens up, and he makes a beautiful snatch. Um, and then but he misses a second, misses a third. So out comes the Bulgarian for bigger opening lift. It looks ugly. He makes it. He jumps. He, he makes that one ugly again. He makes the third ugly. Kick their ass. He said, strength's more important than technique. I am a believer in technique. Tom, you know what a fight fan I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, uh, fighting is not a brutal sport. It's a science. It's all footwork. And it's, it's all hand speed. It's, it's everything. And um, I'm into technique. But you must learn this at an early age. You can't have a technique day. While you're working your technique with a broomstick, I'm out here getting stronger. I'm going to kick your ass. Might not be pretty, but I'm kicking your ass. It's not gymnastics. and It's not ice skating. It's called weight lifting. And it's funny. It has a total at the end. Whoever lifts the biggest lifts on two lifts wins. So strength. You have to work on the strength. And as far as uh, in, in, uh, being an individual training, uh, again, here's where you need a coach. Like in my gym, I can I, I watch a guy. Um, you know, right now, Tom, we've got a guy that squatted 535 on a box with 375 pound of band, and he smoked 890 for a world record. Uh, we have another guy, basically the same height, I suppose, within an inch. He did 655 pounds on the very same height box, a perfect box, with the same band, 375 pounds, and he squatted 860. We got a problem. Uh, the boy that does the most, he uses the box as a gimmick instead of making it hard. Uh, he has a weak lower back. He has a big back back period. We watched him do going to 400, uh, 405, where I used to do 585. So I know he has a uh, Chuck Vogelpool came back in my gym recently, and he realized right away, well, I've been telling my guys, but they don't listen. He said they need stronger backs. I go, I know, Chuck. Tell them. Chuck said that they only have the ability to lift one big weight in one workout station. They must lift three. Because you can go to a contest, you have three lifts. So always plan your uh, plan your list. You got a best clean of four hundred. Uh, do it systematically. Uh, go in and do um, three sixty five, three ninety, four hundred five for a record. Plan your attempts. Plan a record. Break it by a small amount, spacing for weightlifters, and and leave. Then you go out and train your spatial exercises. Our gym does eighty percent spatial, twenty, and I I talked about adults. Um, it has to be high. If uh, if you go back, actually. Uh, in managing the trading of the weightlifter on page uh, 31, um, it says it, it states um, <clears throat> that 50 more than 50% of the training consists of assistant exercise. The fundamental weights for poles are 95, 95%. All right, a lot of effective weights are 70 to 90. Uh, it goes on in many, many things. It talks about snatch poles. Um, where the best weight is around 90%. When you use weights at 110 form, it does affect form. And so you, but you want to use the correct amount of weights. That's how you get all the, the enormous amount of lifts. But see, we count all of our lifts, our, our tonnage, uh, two things. And this is where weightlifters could really excel. The reverse hyper. We do around 60. The average guy, a small guy, a 700-pound dead would do 60,000 pounds of reverse hyper. It's all spinal rector, 
Um, low back, you know, spine rectors, low back, glutes, hamstrings. And why does that work? Because it's traction. The next day, they don't even know they worked out, but they're much stronger. We do enormous amount of work in the belt squat, sometimes up to supporting 2,000 pounds. What happens the next day, Tom? In the belt squat. You don't know you've done anything. But are you stronger? Hell yeah. Well, you put top wrestlers in there. I mean, a top wrestlers. It kicks their ass right off. Yep. And, uh, you know, this wrestlers got conditioning. I mean, you told me about a couple of Iowa State wrestlers that saw you down in, uh, what, Texas, and they hid yeah. from me because they, they were afraid you put them back in the belt squat. So, you know, these are bad guys. These wrestlers are bad guys. But it's this enormous amount of work. And it's, it's traction where you do it. Um, I, so you want to do exercises. I used to criticize. Mel Siff told me a story years ago um, about he wanted to do um, he wanted to do his thesis on knees. So he wanted to squat and he wouldn't let him. And Mel was real mad about this. And I thought, yeah, this is ridiculous. And if you look at most books, um, exercise phys books, all their studies on single joint exercise. And I always thought that's retarded, you know. But I know why, because they don't have good form. They might get someone hurt. But then I got to thinking about our training. Um, reverse hyper is all low, is directed at one area of the body. Inverse curl, just hamstrings. Uh, the bell squat, just hips. You know, back raises, spinal rectors. Um, so we do a lot of single joint work. So I pick out your weak area and I, 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 I just blow it up by doing the only the area that needs work if you don't have traps you've got to do enormous amount of traps you can't just be doing the olympic list because because of momentum your traps might not be doing as much work as you think they are you have to actually do some type of shrugs some type of high pulls upright rows um you know um uh, tommy kono and david rigger did a lot of bent over rows you know, I was told by, I won't bring up who it was, I said, but Louie, you know, you can't bend your arms and you do Olympic lifts. It's good enough for Tommy Kono and it's good enough for David Rigard. I believe David broke 58 world records. And David Rigard and Yuri Vardanian, uh, Yuri Vardanian was the fast, fastest person under the bar. So how do I know that? And why would I care to know that? And why did they care? Because getting under the bar is one of the essential elements to being a great weightlifter. And I've had people here say, they've never heard of such a thing. Well, then don't call yourself a coach. You have to be well-read. I, I think I'm probably the best well-read person in, in the United States about Olympic weightlifting, and I'm a powerlifter. But I didn't write a book for nothing. I was compelled to write a book after watching a DVD. And I was compelled to try to help American weightlifters. I don't, you know, that's all I'm asking, to help them. And they got to have an open mind and do some of the sex because I've already had two weightlifting coaches come with positive results, and I'm going to get more to come here. And, uh, and that's all I want, to see America stand on a podium someday at the Olympics of Worlds. I even if it's a bronze, that's what I want to see. Um, you say every uh, small work I can do 12 to 24 hours. So if I find out my lower back is extremely weak compared to everything else, on them small workouts, could I do lightweight hypers or lightweight good mornings? Absolutely. That's right. Because, see, we train, we train a.m., as you know. We train at 7.30 in the morning. But we, and we're all here right now, like today. We go back down to gym at 4. If you got a weak lower back, we're going back down doing reverse hypers. For us, if you got a weak triceps, we're going back and doing more extensions. You got, you've got been enormous, have enormous success doing wheelbarrow shrugs. Uh, it's a special shrug we do if a wheelbarrow. We push it out front, shrug it up, pull it back. Uh, if we drop, we're pulling it back, we drop the chin, pull our elbows behind us and together, it works the bottom of the traps. I had a pro bodybuilder get on it, and I mean, he couldn't believe it. And this guy was like a uh, freak and went to the top of the world. I think they, they planned on placing in the Olympia this year. Uh, and he thought it was enormous. If a guy like that thing, normally probably works pretty good, you know. 
So we always pick these exercises. Um, one thing it, uh, people have to look to look at: Why do you miss? What are the? Do you even know the re- the most common reasons that you miss a snatch? Um, I, I will tell you: Out of a hundred percent, sixty-four percent is because. Um, uh, distortion of barbell trajectory. Normally, the bar falls forward or backward. Well, you know, people will tell you that you can't use bands because of the distort technique. It actually perf- perfects technique. You not only have to c- control the bar, you have to control the bands. When you take off the bands, the thing is a joke. Tom, the first time you came here, like five years ago, took a bench out. Bar was all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. How long did it take? All of a sudden, you mastered that. That you held the bar in place. Your bench technique was way better. Squat technique. You name it, it all went better real quick. <laughs> and also, a lot of people don't understand because if I, it, like in a squat, if we use 250 pound of band tension, you got about 100 in the bottom. You have to have, be mentally um, alert. Al- well, alert because yeah. the bar is going to grow 150 pounds heavier on the way up. So not only is it accommodating resistance, it builds a tremendous start because you know you have to, I like to, as outrunning the, the band tension. <laughs> And so it makes you extremely powerful in the, in the bottom as well. And uh, so anyhow, uh, let's get back to the snatch, uh, you know, with the, with the distortion in the bar. Well, this will fix it. One reason can be two weak torso. So we do a lot of side bends. You notice the Chinese do a lot of heavy side bends. So a lot of side bends, spinal rector, and abdominal work. Um, secondly, incomplete extension of the torso during the explosive portion. Well, when you use bands, Tom, when guys come here and use bands, I warned them, when you take bands off, don't knock your teeth out. Am I right? They have complete, full extension of the torso when you remove the bands. So that eliminates those. If you look at the clean and jerk, again, barbell trajectory. So let's go right back to building up the, the front and the side and the back of the torso, the spinal rectors, the obliques, and the abs. Uh, that will counteract a lot of that. Uh, and again, insufficient working of the legs. You know, in the in the thrust portion, that's where jumps come from. And when you with the bands, the band squatting, it will build that essential area to very top. Um, so that's where you're going to build tr- a tremendous leg drive for the jerk, and um, also un- unable to recover from the squat, 15%. So you see those three the, uh, in a snatch, it's uh, 81%. Two things I mentioned. So you got to know why you know why you miss but how can you fix it i know I, it just because you know you miss somewhere how do you fix it i know how to fix it um and here and again there's um let's see 44 54 59 is the three things i just mentioned and also did not lock out bar for the clean and jerk again insufficient leg drive why because here in america their squats aren't big enough i recommend box squats um, years ago, I Olympic lifted, uh, and then I went. I, I quit lifting at 18 years old. I was fascinated by powerlifting, but I still use everyone back in. It's 1966. Well, I had a um, four years before I squatted 410 at 140. All right, I was 14 years old. I cleaned your 260 crudely in a contest, uh, but I, I got no stronger. The squat went nowhere. I'm 18. I still got 410. I go in the army. I read an article by the old West Side Barbell, Culver City, talk about box squats. So I, I got weightlifting boots. I'm using a closed stance, uh, bar high on my neck, same old Olympic squat. I box squats for three months. I try a full squat. I squat a 450. This is a dream come true. Um, I got out of the Army in 1970. My first meet, I squat a 525. In 1971, I was a national record. I did 565 squat in a, in a national meet. And um, same style. Um, but then I took my stance out. It was all box squats. Then I took my stance out. 
because I hurt my back and I couldn't squat close anymore. As I go extremely wide, I end up with zero gear at 180, two hour win, and a weightlifting belt. There, you're not allowed to wear knee wraps or any kind of, you're not even wrist wrap in 73. I squatted 630. And also took my deadlift from 525 to 670. Um, I contributed all the box squats. Weightlifters have very strong quads. Unfortunately, quads don't squat. Quads are breaking muscles. If you look at anal analyzing a person walking or running, the quads are breakers. The hamstrings are propellers in the hips. Same thing in a squat. So uh, you have to have enormously strong hamstrings. That's why you do glute ham raises, guys. And I, I've said, I, you don't need a glute ham. You, I mean, what do you mean you don't need it? Of course you do. So, and if you don't, but that's where you got to pull sledge, you know. Uh, pull sledge to build up the posterior chain. But all these exercises that I talked about, you just look, like again, on page um, at 84, to manage the training of weightlifter, it tells you the most reasons for missing. It also, in that book, says the three most productive things to be a weightlifter. Power clean, power snatch, and a clean. So what's that tell me? I want to push up the power clean, the power snatch, and the clean. Now, again, you got to build the legs in America. We're a little bit different than these guys, our legs. Because I, I saw David Riggers years ago squat at 675 for 10 reps. I don't think we got anybody that could do that. I know we got one kid here supposed to be pretty strong on the squat, but I don't think he can do that. And, and that was at 198. So here you have to know what makes a weightlifter and why you miss in weightlifting. Once you know the problems, then you can fix it. That's what happens. You take your car to the to the shop and it doesn't run. They put gauges on it, right? Mm -hmm. And they do a diagnostic test. They tell you what's wrong with your car. If you don't know what's wrong with the car, it may never, ever run again. If you don't know why you're missing a lift, you may never, ever make progress again. What do you say when people first start doing this, the volume is a lot higher than what they're used to? Um, and we've had this happen before, the recovery. The people kind of freak out, and then they take days off, and they take a week off because they need oh. a, What's your opinion on that? Are you talking about the person who came here and trained for two weeks but then went home and had to take two weeks off? Mm -hmm. Yeah, retarded. Um, the workout we do, we do 52 weeks out of the year. Um, you just have to work your way through it. But that's why I think you should start 5% less. I mean, if you're in bad shape, I mean, it's, again, it's volume. You have to have high volume. Uh, if you want to lift more weight, you have to do more work. It's, it's just the way it goes. Um, I'll just break it down in a, in a squat. Uh, if you're a 400 squatter, you got to do 1,400 pounds of work. We know this for a fact. If you're a 500 pound squatter, you got to do 6,000 pounds of work. So every 100 you go up, you got to do 1,200 pounds of volume. Um, a 700 is 7,200. An 800 is 84. And um, actually, see, it's. Um, is 86 right okay and 880 86 is twice what a 400 is it's all about work it's it's very simple everything is mathematics in this world the bar weights aren't heavier light they're fast or slow everything is mathematics and, and measured in velocities so just start and build your uh, work capacity up like i said if a person if a weightlifter came here i mean a novice because we don't have novice, but even when people come, it takes about 10 months to uh, acquire the ability to do our training, right, Tom? Mm -hmm. A powerlifter is good. So, but as I said, Wesley had the biggest total in the world, 1880, at 165, and in one year, totaled 2080. Nothing changed, no gear, no nothing, same guy, same body weight. So how did he do it? Raised his work capacity. And Tommy, you know his work capacity would go way higher. Yes. He's a little beast, but he's a little, uh, you know, uh, he could do way more than he does. And he's going to do more because now he's got to taste the blood breaking that world record. Um, you talk about the importance of mathematics. <clears throat> and we've just seen it happen closer to home. 
how people change the sets and reps. Um, how detrimental is it to stick to the sets and reps given? And when people think, well, I'm going to do fives instead of threes or ones, or you know the way that we, we, we see in a program here that went against every bit of information that we gave them. That we taught them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the squad shouldn't be high. We found out on an experiment that we could do five reps on speed day as, as the fifth rep is just as fast as second. You watch me, Tom, use my speed works, and I did 10 reps at the end. Um, you know, just as fast as I did. I could, I could do two if I wanted. So, uh, yeah, if, remember, if the, if you do too many reps, you're going to build too much hyperpathy, uh, and, and the barbell slows down. So you're basically not getting any stronger. You're, you're, you're moving to a bigger weight class with no more strength. You want It's, it's about speed. Remember, on one day, the speed squad, if you and I, Tom, lift, the fastest guy on that day was the winner. Mm-hmm. You know, we trade the same weight, you know, of a combination that's 75%, then 80 and 85. Whoever can move that bar the fastest is putting out more force. Force equals mass times acceleration. I'm sure the readers have heard of that. Um, and for max efforts, what do you say for those who want to do triples and uh, five rep maxes? Thanks, it's a good question. I'm mean, hear this all the time. Threes and fives build strength endurance. It does not build singles. You know, I, I've been to a lot of contests. I started at 14 years old. I went to a contest two weeks ago. Uh, if I recall, they do one lift at a time. They don't do threes. They don't do fives. You're building strength endurance. You're not building a single. You know, if you could, if you could um, power clean 500 for three, I would rather see you do 500, 505 for one and break an all-time record than 500 for three. Because you may only put out 500 pounds of force behind the barbell. You're not putting out an, uh, more force you've never done. So you want to always go for a max single. I've, I've witnessed now... I said 25 years, it's been probably 35 years. I've witnessed in max efforts, you want to get there, make bigger jumps, do it in three lifts. Like if you had a, um, a 400 clean, uh, uh, you know, I'm used to bigger numbers. 400 clean, it'd be 75% is what, uh, 300? Okay, well 90, so okay, 90%. You'd work up, you'd do uh, not 390, I mean 360, 90%, maybe 385 or 405 for a record. I went through this a while ago. Get up there and, and go big, go big, put everything into the last lift, break a record, stop and move on to your special exercises. But for the Olympic weightlifters, you might go to a jerk exercise or a squat or, or some type of another pole. We do, uh, I want to bring up a couple exercises we use. Uh, my friend Jimmy Benjamin, he's three-time national champion. And he said, I had a, our intern's a weightlifter, and he asked Jimmy years ago, back in the 70s, what was, what was his best exercise? He said two things box squatting, and uh, pulls up against pins. Now, we pull, well, we either set pins at different heights, pull maximum weights up to touch that pin, or we will pull a pin up and hold it. Now, Jackie, Travis, uh, Mash's girl came, pulled the barbells up and held it against pins, and within two weeks, broke her all-time snatch record. That's the key, spatial exercises. Um, the pin squats from the bottom. You know, people say, why do you do these? Uh, um, because I watch a lot of tapes. I see the greatest weightlifters in the world doing these things. Monkey see, monkey do. If you guys would only get on the internet and watch the Chinese, I mean, and I'm not going to dwell on technique because my book's not on technique. But everybody will talk. We, we got a hard time. They keep working on technique, right? Well, you can work on your technique with, with sub-world records all you want, guys. You're never going to break a world record. Um, now, how hard is this technique? Tom, did you not show me an eight-year-old from China that weighed 67 pounds, clean jerk, 167? I did. Did you not show me a four-year-old 
on the internet doing a full snatch. Mm -hmm. Well, how freaking hard can it be if a four and an eight-year-old could do it? It's not hard, guys. Get this out of your head. You know, it may be hard to learn it at first, but then it's you learn it. You ride a bike once, you ride a bike forever. And once you build, develop technique, you and why does technique break down? It could be a weak muscle group. Like I said, you got weak hamstrings, you got insufficient pull, lower back, you go around your back, upper back, you can't get the bar up if you're trapped. You, you, so work on all these individual muscles and your technique will actually get better. Um, what's the Russian name? Uh, Koloff or what's his name? Koloff. Travels around America. Oh, uh, Koklyov. Koklyov. He, Travis Mage said they went out and had a few drinks. So he got the honest truth out of him. He goes, when do you work technique? And he said that the Russian laughed at him and said, I haven't worked technique since I was 10 years old. 10 years old. Now, you know how strong he is. He's strong in everything. Mm -hmm. This guy can bench, incline, squat, deadlift, clean and jerk, snatch, everything. It's You want to be good. There's track people that clean jerk over 500 pounds because they do several exercises. They don't limit themselves just one or two. How can track people lift as much as Olymp some Olympic weightlifters? Because they do all the spatial activity. Very important. Another big point Well, that we've seen just Olympics gone past. How come Americans can clean up in swimming, gold medals, shot put this year, first and second in males, first and females, um, track. decathlete, track, the, the, the you, hurdles, you name it, yeah. It's coaching. It's coaching, Tom. You know, I don't want to say this, I don't want to offend anybody, but, but you know, I'm not, I'm not looking at, uh, you, sometimes you got to go throw the baby off the boat so the boat don't sink, but you have to get better coaches. I know I'm going to offend some coaches out there, but you know what? Prove me wrong. You've lifted the same weight for 40 years now. And why? Because you've done this very same thing for 40 years. You have to switch. Uh, Bella Carolla came over here years ago from Romania, where the Romanians was killer in female gymnastics. He, he took over our women's team, him and his wife, and the first thing, the first year he did, he put them on a string program. Now, as you, like, we were watching the female gymnasts from America and China. It's, this is amazing to me, because our gymnasts are jacked, the females are jacked, and they have such high score, uh, they're able to try such tough tricks that even if they fail a bit, they still win, their, their totals are so high. And then if you look at the Chinese gymnast females that's doing terrible, they're, fra they're fragile. You know, just the opposite. The weightlifting team's got great coaches. The gymnastics team's got bad coaches. Uh, over here, it's just the opposite. But you have to have, and, and, and coaches, now, don't get me wrong. What I'm saying, and it's up to you, you have to learn to develop maximal strength. You, you're good with technique. Your technique says fine. I've had people come here and tell me, we're as good as they are up to a point, then they leave us in the dust because they're stronger. I go, exactly. The Russians have been telling us this since 1972 when they abolished the press. Why, why they started beating us at that point? It's because they said Americans have to be stronger. You just have to get stronger legs, back, you know, um, torso, the whole nine yards. You want to compete with them. And, you know, and then I always hear the argument about the drug thing. Well, every, all these sports are tested. I saw lots of world records one way or the other. You know, how they're doing, I don't know. But if, if, if the, why do you take anabolics to make you stronger? So if you're not allowed to take anabolics, you better find a better legitimate way to become strong. I don't think anyone can beat us at our own game. You see that, Tom. I mean, you know, we attract girls that stiff like dead at 400 pounds. So um, when it comes to strength, my strength manual will show you that. I mean, I'm not trying to show you, sell you a book. I'm trying to sell you on strength. So you're going to have to be stronger. Your, 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 technical, your technique coaches are just fine. But you gotta, it doesn't matter if you're lifting 100 on a world record. 
you're going to have to take your strength up. Um, coming towards <coughs> the end, we'll finish a few points, but you named a few books, and I'd like for you just to rename the books again, because I don't think you can say their names enough, because without reading these books, you really don't know what you're, well, um, anyone listening here, if you don't read these books or have these books, you're at a huge disadvantage. Yes, that's why I wrote a book, because people don't. I hope they read my book, because it, it ha I reference many, many books. But I, I especially think people should own the Science and Practice of Strength Training by Dr. Zetsas. Right now, he resides at Penn State. Uh, super Training, Mel Siff. I did uh, seminars with Mel for Super Training. It explains the science behind exercise, truly. And then uh, we sell many books. Uh, the Management of the Training of the Weightlifter is one of my favorites. A multi-year training system is another one of my favorites. And we have many, many books. You have to look at all the Russian weightlifting uh, yearbooks. You have to look at uh, programming and age. You have to look at uh, many, many books. here, Right here, Tommy, here's one. Uh, again, a system of multi-year um, training in weightlifting uh, by Medvedev. You need these books. You, you just can't take someone at their word that they know what they're doing. Um, I, I, I think a great book, and we're getting ready to sell it, is Paca Hercules, Nam Suleiman. And everybody, all they did was snatch it clean and squat. Back squat, front squat, snatch it clean. No, 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 no. Some days he did nothing but spatial pulls. Other days he did the classical, other days spatial pulls. So uh, when I read it, uh, basically a lot of it came up to 35% spatial exercise. Not zero. So learn the truth about these things, okay? And also that system is not for many people. Um, I had the Bulgarian weightlifting team doctor stay with me, and he verified that they burn out mentally. They they actually could do the work physically, but they mentally could not go in and, and lift as much as they possibly could weekend, day in, day out, three times a day. So, because if you've ever wondered, if you look at the literature, the Bulgarians did 4,000 maxes a year. It was based off a daily max. The Russians do 600, and Westside Barbo do 600. It's based off all-time records like a box record, a pin record. You know, for them, it'd be a jerk record, uh, you know, a snatch record, a stand on a box and, and power clean. So that's the difference in the records. Um, that's why it, it's such a discrepancy, 4,000 to 600. But I would get an all-time record. Although the Bul Bulgarians was a crazy system. And if I had uh, 50 people run through my gym every month, I may do it too. I mean, if I could just, you know, burn up a lifter and, and bring me another, burn up a lifter, bring me, why wouldn't I? But... Uh, or maybe I wouldn't. I would rather do what the Russians did. They built lifters through the conjugate consisting of spatial exercises for each individual. It was more individual than it was a system. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've always liked the Russian system because I, I, I actually made top 10 in my, my, my lifting for 33 years. And uh, I did it because I rotated all the time and also I had great training partners. You know, not a great coach. Great, because I was my own coach. <laughs> I had great training partners. You met one last night, Dave Tate, one of the greatest I've had, Chuck Bogopol, Kenny Patterson, George Howard, uh, Joe McCoy, Greg Panora, Matt Smith. It goes on and on and on and on. It goes on so far I can't remember them all. But it's training. You need training partners. You need stimulation, and um, and you need a uh, base. So figure out all your weightlifters how to get more uh, accomplished weightlifters. In my opinion, I know you're getting a lot of weightlifters in CrossFit. That's okay, but CrossFitters are too old, and they're not going to be that talented in weightlifting. They're just average. But what about the CrossFitters' children? Start your get get the CrossFitters, bring your kids in, seven, ten years old, teach them to be weightlifters, and turn them into the world's greatest. Well, 
You got anything more to add? I, I, I think that does it, you know. Like I said, um, I, I looked at the Russians and I realized what they did. If you look at Alexis, he trained by himself a lot. He only trained with the world team right before a contest. He didn't like to do that. He came up with a lot of special exercises. That's what Russian coaches, if you go back to Valery Borzov, he's a two-time Olympian at 100 meters, and they say, Valery, what do you need? What do you need in training? And basically he would say, make it harder, make it harder. You got to make it harder. You got to make things more intense. And so what is that? That's what spatial means are. If you look at any of these books, they got belt squats. They're pulling weight sleds. They're on non-motorized treadmills. Uh, everything we got. I mean, I just copy what the plyometric, uh, uh, um, plyo swing. We have a plyo swing that runs on bands and weights. Uh, I duplicated what the Russians did. And, you know, I'm always grateful because of the Russian coaches. I, I, I would not be here if it wasn't for the Soviet Russian weightlifting coaches. And uh, and also the acquaintance of all the people over the world. No, no. Ohio's one of the strongest powerlifting states. But, I mean, I love Olympic weightlifting. I, the Sikhs exercises will, will do the trick. Uh, one of the guys that um, Glenn brought up, Glenn Penley, uh, we said, how much are you going to go back and do of this stuff? He said, at least 40%. So we're wanting guys over when they come. You don't know anything about Westside till you're at Westside. Right, Tom? Yep. You have to come here. I will, uh, uh, Anyone that wants to come, please come. And I'll bring them in, and I, we'll break a record immediately. It proves in the pudding. It's hard to do when someone is you know, very pessimistic about what we do. But when you break the record on the spot, uh, the believers are believers. I think that's it for today. Uh, I'd like to thank Louis Simmons. I'd like to thank everybody uh, for tuning in. We'll be back to you with the Westside Barbell Podcast sooner than later. This is Westside Barbell with strength and conditioning legend, Louis Simmons. WestsideBarbell.com, the strongest website in the world.